This is PhotoBizX episode number 544, and today we are talking with a wedding photographer, an incredibly talented wedding photographer who has a totally unique and very unpopular approach to growing his successful business. There's no advertising, there's no Facebook. And he has a totally different way of doing things. I think you're going to love this one. Our special guest is Dave LePage, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. And like I said earlier, I know you're going to love Dave and what he has to share today. I will give you a heads up right now that this particular episode does have an explicit rating because of the language, the colorful language that Dave likes to use, of which there was too much to beep out. So please, if you are listening with kids in the car or where other people can hear the audio, be aware that some of the language may be offensive to some people. All right, with that out of the way, make sure you do stick around because, like I said, Dave's approach is very, very unique. It's certainly not going to suit everyone, but I think what he shares is super valuable. So that's coming up in just a minute. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Lele Clavey. That was another absolute ripper of an interview because Lele took a very unique approach to growing her high-end wedding photography business, of which she is now charging close to $20,000 for some couples. She launched straight into that market after photographing models on creative shoots that she organized herself before booking any real couples. And she set out from the beginning to be one of the world's best wedding photographers. I think you'll love her interview if you haven't had a chance to catch that one yet. Just before we jump into Dave's interview, I do have to let you know that I am on a wedding hangover after what was a fantastic weekend. My eldest son, Matthew, married his sweetheart, Lauren, and the wedding was absolutely fantastic. It couldn't have gone better. Although the weather was extremely hot, temperatures were around the 40 degrees Celsius, which I believe is around 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It was an absolute stinker of a day, but no one let that phase them. We had an incredible time it was a beautiful, heartfelt ceremony. There were tears galore from Linda, myself, Matthew, Lauren, Matthew's little brother, Jordan. I mean, there were tears everywhere. It was, uh, it was a really, really beautiful ceremony. And it was a little bittersweet. It was tough for Lauren, who lost her mum only a few months ago, suddenly. So that, was, uh, that added an extra level of emotion to the whole day. But it made it, uh, that, that emotion made it oh, so much more special for, for everyone that was attending. So, yeah, a, a massive, massive weekend. Everyone looked fantastic. Everyone had a great time. And no, I did not take my camera. I've, I've already been asked that via email from a photographer that I've been chatting to. I happily left the photography to the two professional photographers who were amazing. And I did not feel envious for one second in that heat. <laughs> about the fact that I didn't have to work that day. I didn't even really take out my phone. I just let myself be absorbed into the day and just 
enjoyed things that was present and uh, absolutely love that approach. So, yeah, I'm sure I'll be sharing a photo or two here or there over the coming weeks and months. And I can say the house is slowly returning to normal after being totally turned upside down, full of people on Saturday, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. Alrighty, just before we do jump into this interview with Dave, if you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Dave. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. The good news, if you love what he's sharing in the first half, and there's no way that you won't, you can access the full interview for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. There are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. I've been on the lookout for some exceptional wedding photographers to feature on the podcast and recently came across today's guest. His work is seriously fantastic and he appears to be traveling the country and the world doing what he loves in amazing and wild locations and with some very cool looking couples. He was a music roadie for 10 years before moving into weddings. He's a hybrid shooter shooting photo and video himself simultaneously. And I've heard his skills are incredible. Operating cameras remotely, drones in the air, holding three cameras and somehow making it look effortless. So obviously I reached out and he was reluctant to say yes, stating that he tends to have a very unpopular approach compared to many other industry professionals and he didn't want to waste your time as a listener. He told me he doesn't advertise and he takes a human-centered approach to his business, which requires a lot of physical time with his couples, which is unpopular with many full-time wedding photographers. I told him all those reasons are exactly why I'd love to record an interview with him. I'm talking about Dave LePage, and I am wrapped to have him with us now. Dave, welcome, mate. Cool. Thank you very much. I sound, uh, yeah, I sound like a, like I'm a, I'm a hard get in that, but I'm actually quite friendly, everyone. Just, uh, just to let you know that it's, <laughs> I'm not as brutal as it sounds. <laughs> like, why do you think your views are unpopular? Well, initially, what I kind of pride myself on is, um, again, it, it's something that I, like I'm, I'm going to mention a couple of times throughout this is that there's customer service and there's customer experience, and so everyone who shoots weddings or like a face-to-face medium like we do when we're taking photos of people or videos of people, everyone's really good at customer service, but the customer experience isn't always considered. And so because I'm quite an awkward person, the service I provide to other people is taking into account how I would feel on the receiving end. And so for me, it's basically taking a lot of time to make myself comfortable with couples and then having them comfortable with me. And so if you're going to put it in dot points, Customer service is you showing up, doing the job, uh, having a smile on your face, doing the best you can, then going home. Whereas customer experience is the customer's journey from knowing that you exist to the final deliverables. And so for me, like it begins with the website. So I advertise all my prices on the website, full transparency on what you're getting, because what I am trying to do is aid in the journey from start to finish. And that journey might not even involve me shooting your wedding. It can literally be that they've come to my website, they've gone, oh, this is a little bit too pricey for me or it's not quite what we're looking for and I didn't waste your time having a conversation, um, providing that information, having you like treasure hunt for the prices and all that kind of stuff that a lot of people find themselves doing. So 
I've aided in your journey, even though I'm not the one who's going to be shooting your wedding. And so you can take the information that you've seen on my website, you can go to another wedding photographer or videographer, and you can basically make an informed choice going, oh, we're not getting as much as that person was, or these prices are blah, blah, blah. And so even if I'm not involved in your wedding day, I've kind of assisted in that journey somehow. And so, um, yeah, so it's basically, it's trying to basically map out what a customer's journey looks like and just assisting in it. So again, even if I wasn't involved in your day, I feel like I've assisted in the journey of you trying to find a wedding photographer. So that's kind of, that's my starting point. So do you also feel then that your views might be unpopular with other uh, full-time photographers is because you spend so much time getting to know or spending so much time with your clients that it's makes you less, I guess, I don't want to say profit-driven, but I guess I guess at the end of the day, time is money. It sounds like you're spending more time with your clients than some photographers. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's one of those things how, I mean, essentially time is the most valuable thing you can offer someone. Because again, like that, I mean, those all those cheesy things like all the money in the world won't buy you one more second of time. I would rather invest my time with the couples than invest money into advertising to cast a wide net to people who probably I don't click with. And so... What I've decided to do instead is physically invest myself with the couples, doing face-to-face consultations with them, going out and doing pre-shoots with them. So essentially what we do with a pre-shoot is we basically do a pracky run of the wedding shoot that we're going to do on the day. And it just kind of streamlines. Having already known what the posing is and all that kind of stuff, we can basically knock out your wedding photos in 20 minutes rather than the hour and a half, which takes a lot of other people. So with your pre-wedding shoot or pre-wedding session, so... Is that a money-making session as well for you? So what I do is I don't advertise, but they advertise for me. So what I essentially do is I go out and do a pre-shoot with them, and then they are going to take those images. They're going to post them on Instagram. They're going to post them on Facebook. And for me, that is them doing my advertising, if that makes sense, because they've basically put the images out into the world all of their mates are going to see that. It's a soft launch with everyone who's going to be attending the wedding day, having already seen the work that I do. And then also, if you're like in the wedding party or if you're the celebrant, you can basically see my work. You can see what the tone of the day is going to kind of look like. And it basically, um, I would prefer that everyone attending the wedding kind of knows what they're going to get. And so for me, rather than spending money on an Instagram targeted ad or something like that to cast that wide net, I would rather all these couples do that for me. And so if I'm doing 35 weddings a season, it ends up being 70 shoots because I shoot 35 wedding days and then I shoot 35 pre-shoots. But all of those pre-shoots, they're two to 1,200 friends on Instagram are all going to see those photos. So in my head, the investment that I put in is physical and time overspending on ads. But I always tell people that like you holding the camera more, you get better at it. So the jump that I see in my images over a 10-month period is what might take some other people like maybe two years to get to because in my head I'm kind of doubling all the the variables like the, the shitty lighting scenarios, even just um, just kind of making myself more personal with the couples. I'm constantly learning and practicing and I feel like I'm streamlining that process while also having them do all of my, all of my networking for me. So good. So if your pre-shoots are a trial run for the wedding day, isn't there any fear or do you have any fear that those wedding photos are going to look the same as the photos you've just created for the pre-shoot? No, it's usually, I usually have a conversation that what this pre-shoot is, is it's not necessarily going to be reflective of the images we take on the wedding day. 
But what we're going to do is we're going to do an instructional where I kind of show you the do's and don'ts and just the initial kind of get you 85% of the way there. And then the, I mean, the way I kind of sell a lot of the time is I go, that first 10 minutes where you're awkward as fuck, you have no idea what to do with your hands. Let's get all of that out of the way three months ahead of the day. So that way on the day, you're just clicking your fingers and you know exactly what you're meant to be doing. And also, I mean, especially for video as well, is that I can read the couple's language ahead of the wedding day and then in my head kind of create the wedding video that is going to work for them. Because what I don't want to do is come in with my shot list where I basically go, all right, so these are the three establishing shots. These are the, the getting ready shots. This is the blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to tick all the boxes that I normally do and give them the same shit that everyone else gets. What I want to do is make your wedding video. And so I need to know what your body language is. I need to know what the pace of the day is. I need to know that if you two burst into laughter every time you look at each other, like I, I need to know all these things ahead of time because I've gone out there with an attack plan sitting there thinking that like, oh, this couple's like super moody, romantic, blah, blah, blah. And then we get out on the back beach somewhere and they're just fucking hectic. They're like laughing their asses off the whole time. They can't keep a serious face. So in my head, I go, oh, well, on the wedding day, the gimbal's going in the back. It's all going to be handheld. It's going to be a lot more fast moving. The music that I choose now is probably going to be a little bit more upbeat. So in my head, they've had a rehearsal shoot and I've also had a rehearsal shoot. Okay, so even though it's a dress rehearsal for the wedding day and you talked about, you know, showing them how to pose and that sort of thing, it's still going to look different to the wedding day. There's no fear that people are going to say, geez, this is the same stuff I saw at the engagement photo shoot. Nah, it's not an issue at all. And I always tell them and I go, this is purely for us to get to know each other as well because what I, I mean, what I find really insulting is I mean, someone's paid you between five and nine grand to shoot the most intimate moment of their life and you don't know what they look like. Like in my head, that's so insulting that like that you couldn't be fucked like going to meet these people or even like finding their Instagram and like taking a screenshot so you know which groomsman it is. Like the amount of times where I've um, been second shooting for someone, they're like, oh, can you send me a photo of the groom so I don't like walk up to five randoms in suits and ask which one's which. And they're like, oh, I don't know what they look like. And I go, Jesus. So in my head, it's also getting to know me on the day. So that way when I show up and you and all your mates are pretty much naked in a room that Dave's here, not some photographer is here. So again, even if the images aren't replicating exactly what you get on the wedding day, it's an opportunity for us to get comfortable with each other because in three months' time, I'm showing up on a day where you shouldn't be meeting anyone for the first time. Right, yeah, that's true. So are you actually going to the exact location that you're going to be shooting in for the wedding day? And I imagine that's pretty, I mean, that's impossible at some times because you might be going to Iceland by the look of it or some uh, crazy islands in the middle of nowhere. So you can't be going there for your pre-wedding shoot. No, we kind of, what I try to do is I send them out a questionnaire where I go, Basically, um, it more like are you like a woodland couple or do you want to do like a back beach along the cliffs and everything like that? Or would you prefer just doing it in Airbnb somewhere where it's like you two just kind of like replicating what happens on a regular day to day? And so they'll kind of they'll they'll tell me what the tone is that they're going for. I'll send them a whole bunch of pre-shoot links to the videos and the photos and all that kind of stuff and go, which one resonates with you more? But again, I don't have to worry too much about replicating what the scenario is going to be on the day because this is just a getting to know each other process. Right, okay. So are the couples paying for this engagement session or is it part of the wedding? All, in, all included. It's included. All included. So what I do is I always call a lot of photographers like that you have like Jetstar packages. And so for Worldwide Linus, it's like a um, like a budget airline. So what I do is I what I kind of joke about is that I have the Virgin package, which is here's the all-inclusive price. You know what you're going to get. 
and then you have the Jetstar package where oh, I've advertised it 30 bucks cheaper, but time or by the time you get all the amenities that you would expect with Virgin, it ends up costing you an extra 20 bucks. And so what I basically do is, again, everything is just written on the website, exactly what you get, how much it costs, GST included. There's no add-ons for travel with inside of Victoria. If you are out of state or international, here's what the, the cost usually looks like. Um, there might be a little bit of variable, but I basically try to eliminate, again, aiding in the customer's experience. I don't want them to go, oh, that looks like a really good price. And then they email me and like, oh, soz, it actually costs this much. <laughs> so, yeah, so I basically just try to be very transparent in that here's everything you get. And you won't be the first one to tell me that I basically, I, I do too much and charge too little, but that's my decision to make because what I've decided to do is invest my time in getting better, holding the equipment more often, getting to know my couples, building a referral network off them saying he did so bloody much for us. And even though I've invested a little bit of time in that, I've gotten better and also it hasn't cost me a cent in advertising. So at the end of the day, I mean, do you look at the profitability of the business that you're running? Do you have targets as far as revenue? Not so much. I basically, I, I kind of have my, I, mean, I have like, like my yearly nut, if that makes sense, that I'm like comfortable with. So in my head, and it was essentially, I'm kind of like, I'm doubling up on a lot of the wedding days as well because I do photo and video essentially those 35 weddings on the editing side of things turn into 70 weddings sometimes because you only have to have a conversation with the one person for photo and video. What I found so interesting is that when I was doing photo for the first three or four years out of 10 weddings, I might've had one or maybe two videographers for the weddings. When I started offering video, I went up to 60 or 70% were asking for the video as well because if they've come to me for my tone and aesthetic, they don't want to start that whole journey again looking for a new person. And they're like, well, he's going to be he's going to be fucking standing there anyway. So why don't we just get him to turn the video settings on? So <laughs> I'm kind of lucky in that 35 weddings for me is my comfortable season where I have a little bit of downtime, but 35 weddings is 70 shoots with the couples. And then the editing side of that is a little bit of double trouble sometimes because I'm doing all the video stuff. But yeah, but essentially, I mean, it's kind of, it's basically a couple of hundred grand per year to, um, but it's all in my head and everyone can, can look at the cost of investment of time. But in my head, I really struggle to sit still anyway. I struggle with downtime. Like I'm like a super fidgety person. Whereas if I have a day off, all I do is walk into one fucking room and then stand there and go, nothing's happening here. Walk into the other room, stand there, nothing's happening here. Go for a walk. So for me, it's a perfect, perfect scenario being busy. No, okay. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you're bringing in around $200,000. There's no advertising, which is pretty awesome. So, it's really the investment of time and then you're editing. Yeah. So, which is, again, just time. Yeah. Well, I, and again, it's one of those things how I'm constantly able to put out work and I'm constantly able to get white. Like, I mean, video, I only, I, I turned on video settings on my camera in. Oh, what was it? It was like uh, February last year is where I made the conscious decision to go, I'm just going to have a little crack of video in because a lot of people are asking for it and I haven't been offering it because essentially the only good enough reason was I couldn't be fucked learning. And so I thought, bugger it, I'm going to go on YouTube. I'm going to have a little look at what these cameras can do. And so what I started doing was when I was taking stills at the moment, my second camera would just be locked on video and I just collect like four or five seconds of these little clips. And over the course of 10, 15 weddings, I would just slowly build up the amount of shots I would take the whole time until I had that five and a half minute reel of video. But again, it's all these things how because I'm constantly on my 
feet, thinking about ways to streamline, making it easier for myself and easier for the couples. I'm essentially able to like not have to sit there and spend too much time thinking about what I did wrong. I have a really quick turnaround of physically being there again to correct what I did wrong last time. That's a cool way to look at it. Yeah. I do too much, but it's um, I've always done too much. Where I worked in hospitality before that, <laughs> which was chaos. I worked as a heavy metal roadie, which was chaos. Like um, I, I kind of invited into my life, and that's how I have to live. Unbelievable. Just give us a picture of what it looks like. You know, let's say you're out with me. I'm with my future wife, and we're on the you know on some cliffs on the side of the ocean there, beside the ocean, and you're shooting stills. You're directing us. Yep. And then what, have you got a second camera just set to shoot video and, and just pick that up in your hands and start shooting a bit of that using the LCD? Like, how's it work? Well it's, it's, well, it's actually probably more complicated than that. So what I do is when I first started taking photo, I was sitting there thinking, so how do I, because a lot of the videographers would always be handheld a lot of the time and they might have a second tripod up. And I was always watching them shooting handheld, wondering how do you go over and check that the tripod's fine without sacrificing the handheld footage that you have right now on that walk over there? And so initially in my head, I go, well, I can't go for a wander to go check on stuff while I'm taking photos and all that kind of stuff. So I thought in my head, the easiest way to do it was to put the video camera on a gimbal. And then I use a monopod, which has like a little tripod legs on it. So I can just plonk that down, walk around, take photos that keeps on rolling in the frame that I've set up. I can go check on tripods. I can go take photos I can come back and then move that gimbal to another position. Then I've got a different frame. I can walk around, take photos. So what I do is when I'm with a couple, I take out that little gimbal with me and I'll plonk it in front and then I'll basically say, all right, so this is the scenario. You can basically start getting it on on the side of the cliff. And so I'll start taking photos of that. The video's running and then I can go shoot my three or four angles of that and then I can pick up the gimbal and wander it with me, plonk it down, either hold it with one hand stabilized on the ground to take photos or just leave it there unassisted it's unless it's you know 40 kilometer winds it's not blowing over and so what i when i started doing um doing just solo video gigs i use that gimbal and camera as my second shooter so what i'll do is i might be handheld but if the photographer is shooting the couple i can put that gimbal on the far side with a wide shot and then i can go in close with my handheld and there's there's i'm basically running two cameras at the same time and then with the um there's a system the DJI creates called RavenEye, where it sends a, a transmission to your phone and you can actually control the gimbal from the other side of the room. And so what I'll do is with my handheld camera, I'll actually be reframing the gimbal on the other side of the room and then um, I can hit record on that. So I basically am my own second shooter as well as photographer on the day. So <laughs> it sounds fucking stupid. but it, um, That's once, insane. Yeah, kinda, <laughs> once you get your head around it, it, it works pretty crazy. And then also with our drones, the fact that you can run like all those quick shots now where it'll basically do a 30 or 40 second controlled shot where it just targets the couple and then goes for a little runner and collect shots. So I can go three, two, one, then I can just go sit in the bushes on my phone while the gimbal's doing 45 seconds of incredible footage. And then I've got the option to shoot them from a distance and grab some extra photos. Or while the gimbal's doing its thing for 40 seconds, I'm taking all the establishing shots of the scenery and all that kind of stuff. So again, it's just multitasking, but this isn't stuff that you just decide that you're going to do tomorrow. This is like me, of course, of a year and a half, just slowly implementing all these dumb ideas into real <laughs> scenarios and just seeing how they float. And again, what I say about those pre-shoots is that's your practice ground to do dumb shit. So if you have this silly idea that you don't want to commit to on a wedding day, 
I go, you get like, I get 35 cracky runs, mm-hmm. all my stupid ideas. So when you have your video camera set up on gimbal, is that just set to eye focus, continuously rolling? No, I always do a tap to focus because there's so many people standing around in groups. Um, there's a good chance that it's going to catch someone else's eye and focus on them. But essentially what I do is in a situation where it's um, where the bride's coming down the aisle, just before that kicks off, I'll walk over the gimbal, I'll tap on the groom's face, that tracking focus is so sticky that it's not going to move from him, whether he walks left or right. So that'll be glued on him. And then I'm able to, uh, well, actually, I mean, I have two of those little gimbal tripods now because I like to like, I get really bored of like transitioning between three static shots. So I like to like mix it up a little bit. And so I can shoot the bride coming down with the other gimbal and then I can spin around them, plonk that in the middle of the aisle. And then after that, I'll go check on that first gimbal. I'll go check on the tripod. And then basically they're my three angles. And I walk around taking photos for 35 minutes. Every time I get bored, I might move the gimbal to another spot or go have a little hunt around for another shot. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it looks on paper, it looks really silly, but it's so much easier than trying to work with another photographer or videographer because I've already created the shot list in my day. I'm allowed to put a gimbal in the middle of the aisle without a photographer freaking out at me. And so in my head, I just have all these luxuries of like essentially curating the entire capture rather than working alongside someone else, which I'm happy to do. But it's like catering for a photographer who's got a three foot wide sun hat on walking in front of my tripods is a fucking nightmare. So um, <laughs> so me, I'm doing too much, but it's all curated by me and I, I don't have to make considerations for anyone else. Unbelievable. So you're walking in and out of your own shots, say at the pre-wedding shoot or the engagement shoot, you're walking in and out of your video capture. So it's not dropping focus. You just have to edit that stuff out. No, what I do is I, because what I, I've always done is the very first time I shot a wedding, I didn't really know what I was doing, but the lenses I owned at the time were a 50 millimeter and a 135 millimeter. And so I, having not attended weddings in my head, I thought the role of photographer was to candidly document the day without interrupting any of the scenes. And so I would always hover right around the edges of the ceremony. I'd never cut across the front. I would never really walk too far down the middle of the aisle. In my head, it was like a have all the photos seen, but like, but you don't exist in the moment. And so it was only, it was a real shock when I started second shooting for other people that I realized that they just fucking stand right up the front the whole time, block mum's view of the first kiss. Like in their head, it's like, get the shot or die trying. Like there's right. there's uh, no, no accommodation for how anyone else's experience might be. I just have to get these red hot photos or else the couple's going to crack the shits where I did 25 weddings of just hovering around the perimeter, shooting with really long lenses and trying to stay out of the way. So I already taught myself not to cut in front of my shots. And so what I normally do is I always just hover around the perimeter. If I am going to cut across one of my frames, it's very rare, but I also have a really uh, low responsive setting on my camera that you really have to hog the frame for about three to four seconds for it to lose that tracking on someone. So basically I can cut across quickly and it's not going to automatically find me. But, um, but yeah, I rarely cut across my own footage anyway because I know where the video cameras are. Nine times out of ten, I'm shooting with an 85 or a 135 during ceremony. So I tend to really kind of hover around the perimeter anyway. Nice, nice. Mate, this is unbelievable. I mean, I already know that I and I'm sure a ton of listeners are a totally different personality. There's no way I could do what you do. I mean, I, I couldn't face going to work to shoot a wedding knowing I had to do what you had to do. So you obviously... You've got that ADHD sort of thing about you. Where, <laughs> am I? Am I? Am I right there? Yeah, like I like I used to struggle a lot with taking photos, just sole photos on wedding day, 
all those little downtimes where I'm sitting there thinking, well, fuck, I don't want to overshoot this scene, but I've got nothing to do right now. So adding <laughs> video to it was perfect for me because whenever I was like sitting still with nothing to do with my hands, I'm like, and now we're doing video and then I can do some more photos and now we're doing video and do some more photos and now I'm setting up audio and now I'm taking some photos and now I'm setting up lighting. And so for me, all those little gap fillers were a relief for me, whereas they're a fucking nightmare for everyone else. <laughs> So what's the deliverable at the end of the day in regard to video? I'm guessing with photos, it's the digital files and potentially an album. I see you've got albums on your packages. With the video, what's the deliverable? All right, so on a full wedding day, so the morning after the ceremony, people normally wake up to about 10 to 20 edits. It's like their little announcement. And then within 72 hours, they get a two-minute video teaser, which is basically just like uh, just a, a quick little snapshot of everything that happened or I basically choose one scene that I thought kind of resembled the day. So a lot of couples might have a really epic first look or maybe their first dance is wild. So I kind of choose one scene that was red hot and then just kind of do some establishing shots around that. So yeah, so 15 photos, two minutes within 72 hours, and then 40 days later, between 800 to 900 edits in the online gallery, within 60 days, 10-minute highlights reel, multicam of the full ceremony, and then multicam of the speeches. And then what I've started doing recently is that I always kind of felt bad that there were no physical deliverables for video. Like you get a a USB stick and that's all you can hope for. And so what I've started doing now and I'm just getting ready to deliver my first one is um, for a video deliverable, I've got like a 10-inch record. Um, There's a place that does small batch presses in Melbourne. And so what will happen is it'll be the bride's vows and then her entrance song on one side of the vinyl and then on the other side of the vinyl, it's the groom's vows and then like their first dance song. Because in my head, I go, I'm big on tangible items. So that's in my head. That's like a video deliverable offshoot of that. And then with the photos, again, loving the tangible items. So to 100 little like photo album size prints. I'm not a big fan of the photo album only because I prefer couples can scatter those photos around the house. Like then frame all individually. They can hand a couple to mum. They can hand a couple to dad. And then I make up a whole bunch of Polaroids as well as, as on top of that is um, three A3 prints as well. So the money that some couples save on basically, I've never been a big fan of that, like that fucking mahogany box with my logo on it that you pay 450 bucks for. I'd rather give you more things and then you do with them what you will rather than put my branding and upsell stuff all over it. Because in my head, the money has to go towards the items and not the packaging that those items came in. So you get a shitty USB stick, doesn't have my logo on it, but that saved you 80 bucks. And then with the prints, I'll frame one of them for you. And then the other two prints, unless you're a huge narcissist and you want that many framed prints of you around the house, I'll be like, here's just the cotton rag paper. Give one to mum, give one to your nana or something like that. These are the A3s. Yeah, A3 prints, yeah. Right. So there's three. And then, so what are the little prints you handed? Are they five by seven or six by four? Uh, six by four. So you get a hundred of those. And what I would suggest is I, I basically send a link that if you want to make up your own album, go for it. I just, I think they're a little bit, um, in my head, they're a little bit pricey for what you get. And also you only have one of them. Whereas I would rather you take all those Polaroids, all those little prints, make up your own mal- album, make up a smaller one with some of the duplicate photos or the ones that are kind of similar, give that one to someone else who's going to have a look at it. Whereas yeah, the photo albums, they're awesome, and I love those fine print um, art albums, but there's just one of them sitting there, and if it's on the shelf, no one sees it. Whereas I'm like, take all these tiny little photos, Polaroids, slap one on the fridge, slap one on your desk, scatter them around the house, and I, mean, I wouldn't say relive the moment, but just have little 
trinkets kind of hidden around the house. So the day that your partner shits you off, you can open up the fridge and go, oh, we actually did have one really nice afternoon one time. (laughs) Mate, you've said Polaroids a couple of times. Are you actually shooting Polaroids or you're just printing in a Polaroid sort of look? I print Polaroids. So I have one of those little Polaroid printers. I used to physically shoot Polaroids, but it was one of those things, if someone blinks, it cost me $3.80. So I'll be like, you bastards. And so... (laughs) Yeah, so I just um, I just uh, print them off now. But then what I'll do is sometimes with those Polaroid deliverables, if I was meant to finish at 9.30 p.m., but the couple got me to stay around until 10.34 for the Sparkler X or something like that, in my head I don't want to overshoot a dance floor because no one needs photos of everyone getting feral and dropping glasses and everything. So what I would do is I'd go off into the corner, I'd send the photos from my camera to my phone, and I'd print off the Polaroids there and put them as like a little thank you card and chuck them in the wishing well. So just trying to like... Um, or even like sometimes what I do is if I, um, if I finish up the couple shoot really early and we have 40 minutes until reception entrance, then I might do those Polaroids there and I'll put one on the couple's table or something like that. So again, I'm really big on all the little physical items and being able to hold your day feels more important than basically having to look through the emails of a photographer you met five years ago to have a look for the link to find those photos. I just rather they're always, they're always present. So nice. So nice. Mate, let me take you back in the journey for the couple. So Let's say I have a friend who you work with, you photographed, and they told me about you. I'll go to your website. You've got to look about your work. You've got to look about the couples that you're featuring on your website. Surely that's strategic. Yeah, absolutely. Because what I'm trying to do is resonate with people who would resonate with me. Right. I, I'm not a big fan of casting a really wide net, again, which is why I don't really do a lot of advertising. And I let the couples advertise for me because their friendship circles, I feel like I'm hanging out with the same couple every time. I don't really want to have to get to know a brand new personality type each wedding. So it is strategic in the way that I am casting this net of people who I feel like I'm shooting the same couple over and over again. So that'd be the reason for that. But again, like, I mean, you could term it normies. Um, I do a lot of weddings that aren't alternative couples, but they tend to have an alternative mindset, if that makes sense. So even though their day aesthetically might not match some other weddings I do, they're drawn to the personality type of that kind of. So you'd almost say like, I wouldn't say like outsider photography, but like but someone who does like a, who has a slightly different mindset. So even though you might work white collar job and nothing about you strikes you as alternative, you might have a mindset where you're like, we just want something a little bit different. Everything that we've seen is very vanilla and and again, I'm, I've got a little bit of a foul mouth, and so I kind of want to attract people that can handle me getting excited and saying feral shit during a wedding day. And so I kind of feel that if I'm projecting that work, even though you might aesthetically not might not meet the criteria of what I'm showing, your mindset falls in line with that kind of work. Right. So do you have some couples, uh, normies, if you want to call them that, you know, saying to their parents, you know, mum, don't stress out when Dave gets here because, you know, he's a bit different to the rest of us? Oh, totally. And especially it's, it's always really funny because I've met the couple for a face-to-face consultation. I've hung up with the couple for two hours on a back beach somewhere. I've given myself enough time to be my authentic self, which is pretty fucking rat bag. And so what I sometimes forget is that the rest of the people at the wedding haven't met me yet. And so like, <laughs> basically, like, like it might be something like if the bride's putting on her dress or something and she goes, um, she goes, oh, just let me know if I'm revealing too much. And I might be like, um, oh, if your clack is hanging out, then I'll just Photoshop it back in. So don't worry about it. But I, I forget that everyone else in the room hasn't met me yet. So like, so there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of stupid moments where everyone's gone, Jesus Christ. But, um, but again, it, I, like I, I'm, I'm 
I'm trying to be accommodating everyone attending the wedding, but I champion the couple. I go, I want the couple to have an experience. If mum and dad are kind of snooty, even if they paid for me, I'm not there for them. Like I don't work for who paid for me. I work for the couple. And so as long as the couple's having a good time and we have a, um, and again, I'm not just going to show up and just be completely feral because that's what I enjoy to do. Like I use those pre-shoots to kind of gauge the conversation that we use, how far I can push some jokes. Like it's all kind of a, it's like a, it's almost like this pre-conflict resolution where you're like, I'm testing the water, seeing how comfortable they are as people, allowing their personalities to slowly start shining through so we can find a middle ground to hang out on the day. I like that. What do you wear to a wedding? Uh, for a lot of time, it's just um, black boots, black jeans, a, a black button-up shirt. All I have to do is um, is just not be the worst dressed person at the wedding. And so, as long as there's like, as long as there's Uncle Mick with the Oakleys on top of his head who can't tuck in his shirt, then I'm fine. <laughs> and because I'm, I, I kind of tell the couples a lot of time as well. Like I'm working all day, and especially sometimes I have three to four cameras hanging off me in a bag. So like I'm sweating my balls off on a wedding day. So I might tell them that like for all you getting ready shots in the day. It might just be a black T-shirt. And then when the ceremony comes around, I'll put on my button up. And then when we go out to do your shit, I'll take it off, whatever. So, like, they will see this kind of, like, yeah, this, like, yeah, this weird, tattooed, angry-faced, sweaty guy running around. But what I didn't realise is that how fucking aggressive my concentration face is. I've started using a second shooter this year just to fill some of the gaps while I'm doing things. And I saw myself in the background of photos recently, and I'm like, fuck, because in my head I'm sitting there thinking, Oh, I wonder why. Um, oh, I wonder when the MC is going to arrive. And it's just a casual thought that my face is like fuck everyone in this room. So I'm like, oh, I need to start. I need to start working on that. Cause, <laughs> cause it's, yeah, it's brutal. But, but yeah, I don't overdress. I'm never going to be. I'm never going to be the suit jacket guy. I just feel like a knob when I'm doing it. Definitely no bow ties, black tie events. I mean, because of my clientele, I don't do a lot of them. But, but yeah, I'll try and dress appropriately, but I'm never really overdressed. On the I'm, there, I'm working a 10-hour day. So, yeah, I'm, normally I have to swap T-shirts after the ceremony because I'm just pouring sweat. So, yeah, so I put a pretty comfortable expectation on the couples that I'll dress casual, formal, but don't expect too much. Yeah. You're lucky if I brush my beard. <laughs> Are you still doing the, you know, traditional, in air quotes, photos, you know, that, that people want, like the family, you know, family in a line, everyone looking at the camera smiling? Are you doing those shots even though they may not be featured on your website? You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Cool. Okay, I like it. So you, what you're saying there, with all that being said, people can actually, the listener can come to you if they want to learn video and you will teach them. Yeah, I'll basically, so I'll have a, like over a Zoom link where we can do a face-to-face. I prefer the Zoom links because it's a little bit easier. But basically I put all the gear out, I explain to it, this is what 32-bit recording is. This is what 24-bit recording is. And I put it in photography terms for them to understand. So what I'll basically say is that, so this little unit recording 24-bit, essentially in photo terms, that's a JPEG. So it's going to do good audio, but it's not going to tell you, it's not going to give you the latitude in editing that 32-bit float recording is, which is essentially a raw photo. So I kind of like, I try to photo explain how a lot of video stuff works. And I'll kind of, I'll show them the tools that I use to get the job done. And I'll kind of explain a scenario how this is when I do this or during speeches, what's the best way to light it so I can go straight into dance floor after that. So just a real world conversation about how a lot of this stuff goes down because, I mean, I learned it over while I was taking photos at 20 weddings was sitting there going, fuck, how would I do this with video right now? So I just try to like streamline that internal thought for a lot of people who are entering into that field. So good. So good. So can the listener go to your website to get in contact with you about this kind of thing? 
Yeah, so I have, um, so it is in, so on my datalpage.com, there's basically a little education space and there's a link there where you can book in a conversation. Got it. Got it. Okay, I'm here on the page now. I can see you there with uh, three cameras, one on each shoulder, another one in your hand. <laughs> Oh, is that might be that's a drone remote control? Yeah, that's a, that's a drone. So, <laughs> so, what, <laughs> so good, so um, good. Yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, I mean, the funniest stuff I've done is so taking stills and gimbal video and then having the drone up in the air tracking the couple because you basically it's all kind of automated. So, you basically hit three, two, one, the drone that's going to go recording, and then you're going to be doing the confetti toss. So, there's, you know, technically, there's four to five cameras rolling at the same time. Unbelievable. <laughs> Mate, just quickly with the drone stuff, do you have to have a special license in Australia? I know it's different in different countries. But as a photographer, can you just kick up a drone and shoot a wedding? Yeah, absolutely. So you're technically not allowed to have them above people within a certain distance. What I will say, though, is Parks Victoria and Parks Tasmania are a real nuisance to deal with because they basically see that drone footage used for a wedding or a couple shoot is commercial photo or video like it's a commercial shoot and so what will happen is that if they they basically employ people now to have a little hunt around for your drone footage and if they can see that one of their parks with like if there's like a like say for instance like lake sinclair in tasmania which is like an epic drone shot they will sit there and google or miss around they'll look up tags for lake sinclair and if they see some drone footage they'll hit you up going here's a massive two and a half thousand dollar fine for commercial shooting in a national park and so what you have to kind of be is a little bit selective in if you are going to do drone footage for a couple's wedding, I would make them very generic shots. And sometimes you have to sacrifice the big landmark. Again, trees, they're not going to know where the fuck the tree was. Um, they're not going to know where a river was. They're not going to know where the beach was. You just have to sometimes be a little bit tricky in not showing a particular landmark because that can kind of get you in a little bit of trouble. But as long as you're not flying in the, in the city or anything like that, go ahead, shit. <laughs> I love it. Dave, the best place for listeners to find you, I think you said it was your website, davelepage.com. There's no AU, there is S, davelepage.com. You're also on Insta. I couldn't find you on Facebook. Are you on Facebook? No, no Facebook. In, in my head, that's a, that's a clientele demographic that I don't really care too much for. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of funny that, like, and again, everyone who's going to argue that, like, oh, you do too much, this is a fucking waste of time. I don't have Facebook. I barely have an Instagram. I've got the website. I don't pay for advertising. So in my head, it's all gone pretty bloody well for this version of marketing that people think is a fucking waste of time. <laughs> Mate, I can tell you I had the most fun talking to you. A big thanks to Rick Liston for putting us in touch. Thank you to you for saying yes, even though I needed to push you a little bit. Massive thanks, mate. Love what you're doing. Love what you shared and couldn't be happy to have you on the show, mate. So thanks, Dave. All right. Awesome. Thanks very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dave LePage as much as I did. Dave, if you are listening, massive thanks again for coming on, for sharing everything you did. I know, like I said earlier, I did have to give you a little gentle push to assure you that what you would share would be well received. And I've got to say, I am absolutely certain after hearing you share what you did that it will be. So yeah, mate, again, massive thanks. Love what you do, love your work and love your approach. For you, the listener, I would love to hear your feedback on what you thought about Dave and his approach to generating clients for his wedding photography business. Let me know if you are a premium member. Let's chat about this inside the members Facebook group. 
Uh, I don't know if I can add Dave to the group because I don't think he's on Facebook. I'm going to see if there's a workaround for that. Maybe he has some secret profile and he'll be happy to get involved. But anyway, I'll, I'll work that out later. I'd still love to hear your feedback. Was there anything that Dave shared that you thought, yes, I can utilize that in my business? Did he, did he totally gel and jive with you with what he had to share? Or were you thinking, this is so backwards, there's no way I could run a business like he does? Again, let me know your thoughts inside the members Facebook group if you are a premium member. Uh, If you are not a premium member and you want to reach out to Dave, you'll find links to anything and everything that he shared in the show notes for today's episode. This week, they're at photobizx.com forward slash 544. Now, inside those show notes, this is for you, whether or not you are a premium or free listener, you'll find examples of Dave's incredible work. But I would encourage you to go and have a look at his Instagram, at his website, because it is fantastic work. It really is. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. One quick thing to share with you before we close out today's episode of the podcast. If you notice any interruptions with the PhotoBizX website, your membership, whatever it may be in the last week, we, and I say we, I mean Alex Vita, has done a massive job last week of moving the whole PhotoBizX website to some new servers, which will hopefully have things running even better than they ever have. It was a massive task. The, the website is absolutely huge. As you can imagine, after 500 and close to 50 episodes, the membership and everything else that goes along with it, such a big website. So yeah, that all happened last week. So hopefully you're not noticing any um, bad differences now, but you are for noticing a, a pickup in speed and uh, Everything else is working as it should. But if you do have any dramas, please let me know. Reach out to me via email or messenger. Email, it's andrew at photobizx.com. But all those little teething problems should be sorted by now. I will say, and you've heard me talk about Alex Vita in the past, Alex from Foreground Web. He's been interviewed on the podcast a couple of times. I'm asking him to deliver another course next year because he is just absolutely incredible. I, I have a maintenance plan for the website, for both my websites with him and He just never ceases to amaze me with his knowledge around website design, coding, SEO, and just anything technical. He's absolutely incredible. And when we finished this move, I said to him, Alex, you got to tell me, how how can I help you? Like, are you looking for more clients? Because if people don't know about you, they should. And he told me, look, he said, I do have a few spots available to take on website support clients, and that can be WordPress maintenance or a more comprehensive platform agnostic website support plan Uh, you can get more details about that over at foregroundweb.com i'll add links to where you can exactly go to to find those details if you are looking to have someone as your website support person and i can't recommend him highly enough he really is incredible at what he does and if you didn't know alex also does website design and he does have spots for clients if you are looking at building or redesigning a photography website from scratch That is where his main strengths lie. So if you are considering a website redesign, starting over from scratch, maybe you've got a website, but it's not working like it was in the past. It's not bringing you any results. Then get in touch with Alex, have a chat to him, see what he can do. Because yeah, again, I I can't recommend someone more highly than I do Alex. Uh, And uh, I think if you are a premium member, if you post and ask the question about Alex inside the group, you'll find 
There are a few listeners that are using Alex in their own business and only have fantastic things to say about him. And you can find more details about him over at foregroundweb.com. If you don't subscribe to his newsletter, it is an absolute ripper. It's always full of fantastic information, helpful information. It doesn't waffle on. It gets straight to the point. So go and check that out if you don't subscribe to his newsletter. Alrighty, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I'm going to get this edited out to you. We have more family turning up post-wedding to come and say hi. They're dropping in to see us for some lunch. And then there's more running around to do because Maddie and Lauren are off on their honeymoon and we've got to return things and get things done for them. So yeah, the wedding hangover continues, but with big smiles on all our faces after what was an incredible weekend. All right, look, I hope wherever you are in the world, you are safe, healthy and well. I hope you have a fantastic week ahead. I'll be back next week with another episode and I'll talk to you inside the members Facebook group if you are a premium member. Big thanks again to Dave LePage for coming on and sharing everything he did. Have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 